All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Happy Monday, hockey fans, and welcome in to another edition of Daily Faceoff Live. As always, brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca, and as always, we are streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, where we are looking for inbox questions for later on in the show. I'm Tyler Yaremchuk. He is not Frank Saravalli. He is our boy, Colby Cohn, filling in today. How's it going, Colb? It'd be better if the Buffalo Bills would have won last night, Tyler. And I know I just keep bringing it up, but I know we can talk about it because, you know, you've got me on this Oilers train. You've got me on this Bills train. And and I'll tell you what, a lot of hurt last night. A lot of hurt. Yeah, a lot of hurt for me last night. That was a painful one. I don't even want to get into it. And as you can tell, Colby, my voice is uh, not what it usually is for a handful of reasons as well. Yelling at the TV last night may be one of those contributing factors. But I will grind through some hockey talk today for you, Colby. And let's get into it because there was a lot of big news around the NHL this weekend, starting with a coaching change. And I'll be honest, I thought we had seen the last of the coaching changes in the NHL. Not the case as Lou Lamorello strikes again. Lane Lambert is out as the head coach of the Highlanders and Patrick Waugh is sliding right in. John Goins with the coaches room is going to break this down really in depth in about 10, 15 minutes here, Colby. But I want your take. Patrick Waugh back in the NHL. Is this a good move for the Isles? Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because John Goins is one of the first people I reached out to knowing the connections there in the Quebec League. So his perspective will be really interesting on this situation. But I absolutely love this move. And I'll tell you why. This is a guy who um, has won everywhere he's gone. He is a winner. Okay, he is not afraid to 
put his stamp on things. He has the cachet to walk into any locker room in the NHL and tell anybody and everybody, this is how we are going to do it. And when you combine that sort of old school mentality and that old school fire within Patrick Waugh, and then you look at the fact that he spent a majority of his coaching career, Tyler, coaching young kids, junior age players, which have to be handled a little bit more delicately and a little bit differently than a professional athlete making millions of dollars. I know you could argue that you know, the professional athletes have have one set of treatment, junior players have another. But I just think that combines experience um, is probably taught Patrick Waugh how to, and I will take John Goyan's quote here, temper his flame because that flame is so powerful, but tempering it and knowing where to use it is also very powerful. So I loved what he did in Colorado. I think he was a total spark plug there. I love the fact that when he was in Colorado, he held guys accountable. The star players, Matt Duchesne, I remember the famous quote that he said Matt Duchesne uh, looked like he had a loser's attitude after celebrating too hard on a fourth goal of a game that the Avs were in total control of, and he needed to change that in that Colorado locker room and in that Colorado situation at the time. So uh, I'm a big fan of this move, Tyler. I think it's going to do good things for this team. I don't think there's an overnight fix to their problems. And I think their defensive structure is the main culprit for that. I know John Goyans is going to dive into that on the video in about 10, 15 minutes, as you mentioned. Uh, but ultimately, when I saw this news, I loved it. And then my other thought on this, Tyler, was, man, the Toronto Maple Leafs, swung and missed because this is the guy that they should have gone after. This is the guy that could have gone into their locker room and got the attention of their superstar core four uh, up front. So um, good move by Lou Limarillo, man. That guy, he, he hides in the weeds. He's got airtight. There's no leaking. When our guy Frank Saravalli doesn't get the scoop, we know it must have been very airtight. Yeah, Frank loves to drop the line. Only God and Lou know. And this was certainly one of those <laughs> cases because it came out of nowhere. Is it going to be enough, though, to spark the Islanders into a playoff spot, Colby? And I'm looking right now at the Eastern Conference wildcard picture. And it's like, yeah, you know, they're points percentage-wise knocking at the door. They're only a couple points out of a playoff spot. But there's a lot of teams in there. The Devils, the Penguins, the Lightning, Capitals, the Red Wings. All these teams are battling for basically two playoff spots. Our friends at MoneyPuck.com have the Islanders at, I think it's 22.9% chance of making the playoffs right now. What percent would you throw on it for the Isles? I would make it higher. I, I think it's closer to 50% because I think they'll get a boost from bringing in a new coach because all these players are now jockeying for where they're going to fit. And I think every player is going to give another 10, 15% effort. I think players are now trying to earn currency with Patrick Waugh that they don't, they don't have currency right now. With a coach player relationship, you put so many tokens in the piggyback machine. And then when you make a bad play, okay, one comes out. Well, right now, nobody has any currency with Patrick Waugh. This team is going to tighten things up. Okay. You're going to see higher effort. And I think right now they're going to get a little bit of a spark, but Having said that, Tyler, I didn't like the way they played last night. I liked the way they came back, but I did think Dallas controlled a lot of that hockey game. And then another reason, they do have Ilya Sorokin. Okay, they do have one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. I think Varlamov will be back soon. 
Sorokin's played something like 14 or 15 games in a row. Once they can get back to a little more of a split, I think that will help the Islanders. But I do think it's higher than 22%. Now that they made the coaching chains, I wouldn't have had them as a playoff team if they stayed enrolled with Lane Lambert. We're going to dig into it more in a little bit with John. So let's move on to the other big news of the weekend, Colby. It's We started to hear the rumblings yesterday and this morning. The Edmonton Oilers made it official that they have signed Corey Perry for the remainder of the season. It's a base contract that is league minimum. It comes with some performance bonuses that could be worth up to $325,000. I know Puckpedia was breaking down. There's about a hundred grand based on how far the Oilers go and about a $225,000 bonus once Perry plays his 10th game as an Oiler. This is a guy who was on pace for 20 goals when he was terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks. He was having a good season, Colby. Do you think he can be this impactful with the Oil? I do. I, I absolutely do. I think this is a great move. Uh, by the Edmonton Oilers. I think there were a lot of suitors that are playoff teams, that teams that have Stanley Cup aspirations looking for Corey Perry. And when you look at the situation in Chicago, okay, this was not a situation that was inside the locker room. This was not him, you know, uh, acting a way that was, uh, you know, bad for his teammates and bad for their game on the ice. I'm talking Corey Perry, the hockey player, the guy who enters the dressing room, okay, and takes off his street clothes, puts on his Edmonton Oilers gitch, and goes out and plays. All right. That is brilliant, uh, a brilliant signing. What happened? It was off the ice, it was a personal situation. Okay, I'm not going to dive into it. I know some of the things. I don't know all of the things. But it was a family-related incident. Uh, disappointing, nonetheless, something he needs to address. But when you take that away, and I talk to people in Chicago, I talk to players, I talk to coaches, they were devastated to lose Corey Perry um, You know, in their dressing room. He meant a lot to that hockey team, the players within the walls of the locker room. He was important when they went on the ice. He was important to Connor Bedard. Okay, he was playing all up and down their lineup. First line, fourth line, power play, net front. You know, knows when to drag his team into a game. So I love this signing for this hockey team. Um, certainly has some things he needs to work on personally away from hockey. I'm not here to comment on his personal life. That's not what we do. We talk about hockey. Um, and so ultimately, I, I think that there were a lot of suitors. I think the Rangers were in. Florida was in. Toronto was in. There's a reason all of these really good teams wanted to bring Corey Perry into their locker room. Yeah, he had a long list of suitors, as Frank Saravalli reported. A couple out east and the Rangers and Panthers, one more out west as well. So there were a lot of options for him. He chooses the Edmonton Oilers, who, by the way, on the weekend, they won their 13th consecutive game over the Calgary Flames, setting an NHL record for the longest winning streak by a Canadian club. And the numbers over this heater, Colby, you don't need me to tell you, these are absolutely stunning. So uh, the Oilers are red hot, and now they're getting even more help. Let's move on to our deadline piece of the day up at dailyfaceoff.com. Every day we are dropping a new deadline-related article to get you set for the big day. And today it's all about Sean Monahan. as Frank Saravalli did his kind of player archetype full breakdown on the Montreal Canadiens centerman. And what's interesting about Monahan? well, actually there's a lot, even though his nickname is boring Sean Monahan. But Colby, he's a guy who can play in your middle six. He can help you out in different areas. The fact is contract, $1.85 million against the cap is as cheap as it is, and the Habs presumably will keep some money. I think this means there are a lot of contenders who are looking at him as their ideal deadline piece. The concern with Monaghan is his injuries, of course. But again, I think a lot of teams will go, hey, 
We just need him to be healthy for a couple of months. We'll take that plunge. When you look at the type of player Monahan is, you look at the list of potential suitors, who stands out to you? You know, it's funny. I, I read the article, you know, Fra Frank sent over to us that you talked about, and he really went deep in. And and he really, I mean, it, it was it was as deep as I've seen him go uh, when talking about one player in particular. And, you know, the injury stuff, yeah, it's a concern because you're probably giving up a first-round pick to get this guy when you look at comparables over the last number of trade deadlines. I know, you know, uh, Paul Stasny was a guy as part, you know, that Frank highlighted a comparable type of move when he went from St. Louis to the Jets some years ago. But look, I I'd love to see him in Boston. I think that would be an absolutely great fit. He strikes me as the type of player that Don Sweeney would go against. I spent a lot of time around that organization. They're not necessarily big on the big flashy free agent move. They like to bring guys in that are more of that middle six depth type of role and let them kind of funnel in and, and go into that Bruins locker room and that Bruins culture. But, you know, that list of suitors is a good one. I mean, again, it, it's it's not that different than the list of suitors when you're talking about caliber of hockey teams that Corey Perry had, because these are the types of players that get you over the edge. Tampa did it with Blake Coleman. Tampa did it with Barkley Goudreau. These guys matter. These second, these third, potentially fourth line guys that also can move up your lineup. They can play on a power play. They contribute offensively. You know, they're 200 foot players. So personally, maybe it's a little bit of the bias in me. Um, I'd love to see him in that Boston Bruins jersey. I think he'd be a great piece, and he would take that Bruins team, I think, to a little bit of another level. I don't truly believe this, the Bruins are a team that can win the Stanley Cup right now. I just don't see it. They've got the goaltending. They've got pieces. But how are they going to be in the playoffs? Are they gritty enough? Do they have enough scoring? Uh, I think he'd be a huge help there in Boston on Causeway Street. Here's the biggest problem with that, Colby. The Bruins don't have a first rounder this year. They don't have a second rounder this year. They don't have a third rounder this year. And again, you know, they could probably find a way to make the money work with an asset going out. But if this is going to cost, as Frank wrote in his comparable deals, it was the Stastny deal from 2018. That involved a late first round pick. The Barkley Goudreau deal, a late first round pick. The Andrew Kopp deal, late first round pick. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, the Bruins don't have anything like that they can offer unless they want to dip in to next year's draft stock already, which would probably not be a very smart move because if you just keep kicking the can down the road, like you're going to always run into the same problem. So I don't know what but I do know. I do know this, Tyler. They don't necessarily love their prospects. I think they have some high level prospects that maybe need a change of scenery. And, you know, from being in Chicago during this rebuild for the couple of years that I was, one thing that I learned a little bit from Kyle Davidson was they were not just open for business for first round draft picks. They were also interested in open for business with top end prospects. Okay. And I do think the Bruins have a couple, whether it's Merkulov, um, you know, Georgie Merkulov, that's playing. I might be mispronouncing his last name. He just had his first taste of NHL action. He plays in Providence in the American League. Um, they've got Lysel down there. There are some guys that I could potentially see Don Sweeney willing to part with in order to get a guy like Monahan. Because listen, he might be the type of guy you can re-sign. We've seen the Bruins do that before. They bring a guy in, they get him on a little bit of a team-friendly deal, and they give him a little bit of term. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I'm sure Frank will be the one to let us know. 
I'm sure he will be. Uh, let's uh, wrap up with fair or foul, our usual Monday segment, and another interesting decision by the Department of Player Safety, Colby. They made a bunch so far this season, but Will Lockwood was given a three-game suspension for this hit on Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm going to ask you, is this fair or foul from the Department of Player Safety? Yeah, I, I think I would probably say foul and not because I don't believe he needed a suspension. I do think he probably should have gotten a game. And it's funny, before the show, I went back into my email and I rewatched the video from player safety where they break it down and they make some good points. OK, he very easily could have gone around the wall. He could have been a little bit more pace to the wall. And he took kind of a dangerous angle towards Flurry. And when Flurry is standing inside his protected area, you as a player have to avoid him. And you made no effort. When I say you, I mean Will Will Lockwood, not you, of course, Tyler. I know you probably ran a goalie or two over this weekend yeah. in the pond hockey tournament. But uh, the other thing is, is Marc-Andre Flurry is injured. He has a concussion. They take that into account. So I think maybe one game would have been a little more appropriate here. Maybe two. I think three was a little bit harsh. I think part of it is because it is Marc-Andre Fleury. I do think that potentially comes into play here. But let me just say one other thing. Why are goaltenders so protected on the ice? I do not understand that. You give them their little area, okay, no problem. And I know Fleury was in his area on this one. But in general... Goalies should be fair game when they're not in their area. And I know this wasn't the question, and I'm going on a rant here, Tyler, but why do we protect the goaltenders so much? They wear more pads than the players. They're not small guys. These are big guys. I I personally think goaltenders should be a little bit more fair game. I'm sure if goaltenders are listening and watching this, they're probably ready to kill me. That's just how I feel. I've always felt that way. That's what I'm yeah. going with. Sergeant Battle in the chat says it's because he got injured, but foul. If the goalie isn't in the crease, they're open to contact. Um, yeah, I I think three games is a little rich in this one, but the league is kind of inconsistent in their stance of wanting to protect goalies. So we could argue if that's right or wrong another day. But as far as the suspension, I do think it was a hair much. Second one I got for you, Colby, it's about Austin Matthews. He scored again over the weekend. And if you break out his pace, because he did miss one game, He's on pace for 69.95 goals this season, right on that 70 goal pace. Fair or foul is Matthews getting 70 goals this year. I would say foul. I don't think he's going to score 70, but I do think he'll, you know, get into the 60s. I think the way he's scoring right now is truly remarkable. I think him and David Posternock are, are the two players um, in the NHL that they, you, you, they can hurt you from anywhere and everywhere. These guys are dangerous anywhere behind the net, out at the blue line, around the tops of the circles. Their releases are elite. Um, but I do think Austin Matthews is going to run away, obviously, with this goal-scoring title. Uh, but I don't see him getting 70, no. I think his team probably needs to, at some point, start playing playoff hockey where they're playing a little bit more thorough probably taking a little bit less chances so i don't think he's going to hit 70 for that reason all right let's move along with our show today and get to the coach's room with our pal john goins the coach's room as always is delivered by doordash for a limited time our canadian <laughs> listeners can get 25 percent off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 dollars or more all you need to do is download the doordash app and enter the promo code nation 25 i might be a doordash and a little soup today to help with my voice but that's what doordash is here for restaurants and more delivered right to your door john goins of tsn 690 he does color commentary for the habs and rocket and he joins our show every monday and i love when we get you on a monday 
and there's coaching news over the weekend, John. So let's dig in to this Islanders team a little bit more. For a team with a 544 winning percentage prior to this coaching change, what, what were the areas of their game that were truly broken, I guess, is my question. Well, I mean, one area that's pretty blatant right off the bat is I don't think we've seen their PK dip so low in, in, in five years, for example. Um, but it's the goals against. It's the, you know, as as Gavin's going to put up some of these stats boards, we're going to see, like, it's just the last 10 games near the bottom of the league for goals for and goals against. And, and that was one of the things when they changed from Barry Trotz to Lane Lambert, it was about potentially bringing more offensive mind of play to a team that so defensively was so well structured. And yet this year, their offense has absolutely struggled because you're spending way too much time in your D zone. You're, you're, you're not getting any stops. And if I can literally gloss over every category that is really important in the D zone, they are near the bottom in every category when it comes to defending the slot, shot attempts against from the slot, D zone possession time against in, in, in your zone. Like it, it's just, it, it goes over and over again, clean breakouts that reach either the neutral zone or lead to offensive zone possession, regroups that lead to possessions in the offensive zone. Everything is near the bottom of the league. And it's quite outstanding because you have some players like Barzell who are on pace for a pretty good season, yet at five on five, it's just a fractured kind of situation for the entire team. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I always think that's the difference between these full 200-foot superstars and just an offensive superstar is they don't have to cheat for offense. Connor McDavid doesn't cheat to make offense. He can just play his role defensively and then carry it offensively. But, you know, sticking with the Islanders, John, one of their staples over the last number of years has been their penalty kill. It hasn't been below 80.5% in five seasons. Right now, they look like a shell of themselves on the penalty kill. What is going wrong, you know, with their penalty kill? Why is it struggling so much? 
again, a lot of time spent. Uh, they're not handling uh, their their uh, they're not their goaltending. It hasn't been handling a lot of the screens and moving screens that they've been facing. I mean, sometimes there's some bad luck, but they're just not getting stops. And it's funny because a lot of times when building a plan for a season, there becomes this disconnected identity between how you play at five on five and how you play in special teams. And I always believe strongly how the concepts and, and mindset that you have offensively should bleed into your, your power play and the same thing defensively. So it just seems that a lot of things that are going wrong defensively at five on five are going wrong on the PK. And as Gavin tees up the video for us, we're going to just see that, you know, they're just giving up way too many chances. Now this one's a bad luck. And I had to circle the fact that the skate blade <laughs> came off. And, but again, as defenders, get out of the blue. Let your goalie see the play. So here, it's versus a low to high. Don't drift. Now you drift. You open up this east-west seam with a blade on or not. That puck was going in. Again, I get that they want to deny pass to the slot, but get out of the crease. So now they're in a T intersection, which means defensemen have to flex out, but nobody's boxing out. And again, moving screen, Varlamov hasn't been handling these. Uh, sorry, Sorokin hasn't been handling these very well. Again, one on four. This pass should never get connected to Erickson Eck. Tape to tape, little tapping. So again, here's that flex out. Here's a broken play. Recover your good spot. Way too much space. Now, if we freeze it here, that that defenseman is supposed to take away everything on the second post. And he doesn't. He's not in that lane. You're moving screen. Your goalie can't track the puck. Gavin let it roll. Bang, it's in the back of the net. And this one was one of the better examples because we get that camera angle from behind the net. Moving screen, no box out. What's going to happen? Elite goal scorer in Eichel, who's been shooting first post bar down since he was 15 years old. Now you get a little bit disjointed. Now you're against one of the best power plays in the league in Colorado. And you don't adjust three guys up about the hash marks, you have a three on one down low. Broken play or not, that was gonna that play was gonna happen at some point, and they're just giving up way too many options. They're not rotating in a in a efficient manner, and they're and like I said, that one on four pass, it's inexcusable. Yeah, I never thought about the the theme of a defenseman wanting to make sure you're not in the crease. You're almost dragging the power play closer and closer to your net. And I never really thought about it that way, but those clips certainly illustrate it uh, very well. Well, look, you know, staying on the theme of the defensive zone, because it, it just seems to be the, the topic of the hour. Uh, you know, we've known the Islanders to be sound defensively. They've gotten into the playoffs year in and year out by smothering teams, by keeping them to the outside, by not giving up chance after chance and goal after goal. This year, they're 24th in goals against in the NHL, very uncharacteristic. So again, what is the disconnect here? Why all of a sudden after last season and multiple seasons prior, are they a disaster in their own zone? And, and, and oddly enough, their power play, which is always an element that kind of like <laughs> weighed heavy on all their fans is now 10th in the league. It's, it's crazy. Um, but the reality is a lot of people would say, under Barry Trotz, it was boring hockey. Well, I'd argue to say is, do you want to win hockey games? Do you want to go on deep playoff runs? Do you want to be one goal away from going to the Stanley Cup final? 
I mean, it was a team when Barry Trotz took over. And again, this is not a shot at Lane Lambert, but it just seems like if you get bored as a player of playing a certain style that is efficient, it could also bite you in the butt eventually. And it seems that they went from a very controlled, you got to come to us approach in the D zone and kind of more of a zone because 82, 78, 82% of all goals come from the slot. They outnumbered you in the slot all the time. They were in shot lanes and pass lanes. They kept you to the perimeter and they didn't care about possession versus versus necessarily getting stretched away from the slot. And as I mentioned earlier, they're near the bottom of every category when it comes to defending the slot. The other part is that they're not defending the rush the way they once used to. They're not defending the neutral zone the way they once used to. And I think, and I believe this strongly, and I think there's a lot of coaches that do in multiple sports. Defending is an attitude and it's a choice. So to lay this all on coaching would be um, frivolous on my part. I think players need to take charge in a, in a lot of cases. And as Spoken we roll like a these coach clips, right there, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> as we roll these clips, knowing Patrick Waugh, knowing what's important to him, breakouts and forechecks are huge, huge. He starts all practices with that. We had a discussion last year. I start practices with battle drills. He applied that as well, but that he's huge on this. Look at this. There's five Hawks in their zone, one Islander. Watch the change. Watch the line change. There's only four players on the ice right now. So you get saved by a save, right? Is there any pressure? You need a stop. You need a guy to get plastered up against the glass. Nope. Passive. It's passive aggressive hockey right now. Okay, you're in the ozone. There's a 50-50. Are you reloading or are you hoping by going to the net? Let's hope. Let's pinch without support. This is not the Islanders hockey that we are used to. Odd man rush, bang in the back of the net. It, it, it was the first four or five clips are just things that are constantly breaking down on the rush. Noah Dobson's having a hell of a year offensively, but this is a poor, poor read. He hasn't given guys enough time to get back. He's got to absorb that rush and not try to surf above his D partner. It's a one-two-two east-west pass. No problem. Bad gap. Someone's got to eliminate. You got to identify your guy. Wallstrom. He goes for a waltz. Where is he? He's outside dots. Now it's two on one at the net. Boom! Little tap in. Like you have to identify. It can't be this hope. It's a two-man forecheck. Watch the spinning. Pellick is going to rim this. No look because he knows he should have that outlet there. They don't have the outlet. Nobody boxes out. Bouncing puck. When you're not playing well, you're going to be unlucky. Again, going back to what's important to Patrick Waugh in terms of breakouts. Here's breakout opportunity number one. Doesn't get out. You reload. No problem. Where is everybody? Right? Terrible bounce off this pass. Boom. Minnesota comes right down the pipe. Boom. In the back of the net. And it's this lack of care. One versus three. This should just be a tap behind the net or a tap up the wall. Right in the yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, this is why I'm saying like there's a and and then four checks. Here's second quick. We hear it all the time. You can't be late. If you're late, then retreat. It's one of the two. No one to hold them. One no one to fold them. Like if you're early, be there. If you're late, retreat. Two second quick opportunities. They're late both times. Tyler Myers comes down the pipe and just bombs it right through the goaltending. So 
I've always said that the forecheck and breakout is like the heads and the feet, the neutral zone and the transition zones, the rest of the body. All three zones need to be connected and they're not connected. Everything's disjointed. And I think what Patrick Wall will bring is the compete and he's going to connect the head, the feet and the body so that they can really play a more connected game through all three zones. 10 out of 10 insight and analysis, John. We're running late on time, so we got to let you go, but appreciate you hopping on once again. Have a good one. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. It's brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Had an absolute blast this weekend. Can't wait to run it back again next year. Colby, the chat is buzzing. There are a lot of Oilers fans in there today. So I will ask you this one from Chris, hashtag AskDFO. What will be the Oilers' next move? Is it moving Jack Campbell? Is it getting a new goalie? Is it a 3C, an upgrade on the blue line? What do you think? I'd like to see them add a little bit to their decor. I really do. I think you bring in Corey Perry. I think that's a little bit of that depth that you might have been looking for in the bottom of your lineup. But at the end of the day, uh, I don't trust Vincent DeArnay. I just don't. I've watched more Oilers hockey this season than ever before. You know that. We're always talking during the games. And if, when it comes, when push comes to shove and the playoffs start, I do not trust 73 back there. I do not trust his decision-making. I do not trust his consistency. And I think other teams are going to pick on that. So I'd love to see them add a little bit of depth to that decor. Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be that 3C spot. You know, if you're in for a penny or in for a pound or whatever, like you got Perry now, you can even move Evander Kane down if you wanted to. Dylan Holloway's back in the lineup. So why not go out there, get that 3C spot, move McLeod to the wing, and just try to steamroll teams with the deepest forward group in the NHL. Uh, let's move along. Our daily bets are brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. I got a couple of picks for you, and we will start with... I think it's a shot prop. It is. It's Kyle Connor to go over three and a half. This thing is paying plus money. And I'm telling you, it won't be paying plus money for long. In his two games since returning from injury, he's had six shots on goal in each of them. So give me Connor over three and a half shots tonight for the Jets and the under between Chicago and Vancouver. Set at six and a half. This has gone under in five of six for the Chicago Blackhawks. And it should be Thatcher Demko going for the Canucks. Of course, keep it on dailyfaceoff.com to find out if he's confirmed. And once he is, hammer the under between Chicago and Vancouver Colby that brings us to garbage time brought to you by Wendy's and the daily face-off survivor pool in a cool moment over the weekend as Brendan Brisson got on the board of his first NHL goal and he did it against the Pittsburgh Penguins a team that featured his former babysitter his former babysitter being of course Sidney Crosby a pretty <laughs> cool moment definitely pays to have your dad be the most powerful agent in the game of hockey but you love stuff like this I'm happy to see that uh, for Brennan Brisson, I, I enjoyed getting to meet him during the Frozen Four a couple of years ago. Those Michigan forwards, they're a bunch of hot shits, and it's good to see them making their way into the NHL. Love it, Colby. If you want to get in on this week at the Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool, some delicious prizes up for grabs from our friends at Wendy's. Do it. Get your picks in before puck drop tonight. Here are your options for this evening. That Pedersen over one and a half points against the Hawks. That is very, very tempting for me. Alex Kerfoot under half a point, though. He's not having a great season. I, I think I might be going there. I, I like the Kerfoot one, but I think I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and ride Elias Pettersson. I think he's still a young enough player that he's not going to take the Chicago Blackhawks lightly. I think a lot of teams have already done that, and they've been the cautionary tale against the Chicago Blackhawks as of late. So I would expect Rick Tockett to have those boys flying tonight in Chicago. 
All right, there you go. That is a wrap on today's show. You can find Colby Cohen Monday through Thursday right here on the Daily Faceoff YouTube with him and Johnny Lazarus. Morning Cup of Hockey goes live at 9 a.m. Eastern. Frank is back in the big chair tomorrow, so we'll chat with you then, hockey fans. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.